The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome again, Disability Law Show. Thanks for uh, for tuning in and hanging around for the next hour. You will learn a lot. That much can be guaranteed. Savannah Tamarkin, your host, as always, Skulls here alongside. And want to get right into it. I'll give you, uh, off the top, several different ways you can reach out to Savan and his crew. Do it. You'll get answered really, really quickly. First one, email, of course, always a good one. We uh, we reference that and use it throughout the show. That is simply help at disabilityrights.ca. The website, just shorten it down to disabilityrights.ca. You will find links for our long-running TV show there as well. Phone number is always good, one 855 and we will refer to and use the website mydisabilityquestions.com. Throughout the show today, while you're there, that is a resource for you to ask questions. Type them in there. Leave them for uh, Savannah and his crew. His team will answer them. There's also a searchable database. You can look to see if your question has been asked in the past. If it has, give the uh, give the answer a look. Read it over. If not everything's uh, answered to your satisfaction, you can leave your uh, your question there as well, mydisabilityquestions.com. But having said all that, we got a few things to get through as far as a uh, week that was. Situations, Savannah, that have uh, come across your desk in the last uh, few weeks. What do you got for us, pal? John, let me start off with something we talked about on the last show, which is these appeal deadlines. Again, I've been receiving an unusual amount of people contacting me, and this past week I had two individuals contact me, one from uh, a rural area in Ontario and and another one from outside of uh, Vancouver. Uh, in BC. Of course, we operate in Ontario, throughout Ontario, and throughout BC. We help people with their long-term disability claims, injury claims, employment matters, etc. And the individuals that have contacted me uh, really contacted me because they've been listening to the show and they've been talking with other people. I'm always weary when people tell me that they're talking with neighbors and other people who are non-lawyers who don't have a specialty in this area of law and long-term yeah. disability. And you know they've been getting mixed signals, mixed advice based on what I say here on the radio. And what I say on the radio is this. When you are denied long-term disability or when you have benefits and the insurance company says those benefits will end at a certain date, let's say two months from now, and we're giving you 30 days to appeal that decision, to come back to us with new information, you don't have to worry about those 30 days. That deadline that they've set for you is completely arbitrary. It's no different than an employer giving you termi- uh, terminating you, your employment, and then saying you have until tomorrow to get back to me as to whether or not you know, you'll sign on the dotted line and we'll pay you money. And what does Lior say on the employment show? Ignore mm-hmm. those deadlines. Your rights don't expire when the employer says it, you know, that it expires. It expires when the legislation says it expires. And, and so let's set the record straight. When you are told that your benefits will be denied, the date of that letter or the date of that notification or when you receive the denial of of your claim, the clock starts running, but the clock is not 30 days. The clock is two years. You have two years from the date of your first denial to start a legal claim against the insurance company. Now, there is some case law, there's some lawyers who will say to you, listen, it's not the first, the date of first denial. You know, there's a potential argument if you had appealed that decision that the clock starts running when you get denied for that appeal be very careful with that, okay? Because there's mixed case law, courts treat that differently. The general rule is this, and this is what I tell everyone. The date that you were notified that your claim was denied or that you're going to be cut off benefits 
the clock starts ticking on that day and you have two years. But don't wait those two years, right? Because right. there's another message here, which is some people think, oh, I got two years, so I might as well go through the appeal process. Why engage Sivan and his team? Why go to a lawyer? You know, why, why, you know, sort of create this antagonistic relationship with the insurance company? Well, guess what? Your relationship with the insurance company is already antagonistic. As soon as they tell you that you have no case, as soon as they tell you you're denied your claim for any reason, or if they cut off your benefits or tell you they're going to be cut off, and you know you're still disabled, right? And you have doctors or treatment providers that have said that you're disabled, and the insurance company refuses to pay you benefits either now or beyond a certain date, you need to reach out to us because we'll give you your option. We'll analyze your case for free. We'll take a look at the documentation, the medical documentation. We'll take a look at the deny letter. We'll have a chat with you by phone, by Zoom, Skype, whatever you want. And it's free. And we will give you that advice. And at the end of the day, if you want to go through the appeal route, go ahead. Do it. Trust me, you're going to come back to us afterwards saying you were right. I should have started the legal claim. But yeah. if you, it's, you know, at least get that information. That's my point. And, and be very, you know, don't, don't get you know, tied up with this 30 days. There's no law that says that you have 30 days to appeal these long-term disability denials. It's an arbitrary deadline that was set by your insurance company to apply pressure on you. And most people, John, think they have no time to communicate with a lawyer. Well, guess what? If you email me right now, after the show, I'm checking all my emails. I'm checking mydisabilityquestions.com, the website that people post questions on. And, and I answer those questions. And I make sure that somebody on my team, if it's not me, if I, can't hand, if I can't respond back, I will get somebody to respond back to you ASAP so that we can help you. And by help you, I mean give you the information you need to make a decision on how you want to proceed. And again, I want to make sure that I'm clear here. It's not just to you, the listeners right now. You may know someone who may need this information. All this information, this show, all past shows, TV shows, everything that gives out this great information, it's all stored on uh, disabilityrights.ca. I mean, you got to go to that website. You'll get all the information you need, and you can always contact us. John, this is something that we keep saying uh, you know, on and on here, uh, but repeatedly I get people contacting me in a panic because they're afraid that they're beyond that 30-day appeal period that the insurance company set for them, and I have to calm them down and tell them, no, 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 no. Your rights have not expired. Here's what we can do for you. Here's how we can force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. Very simple, man. Reach out is the is the crux of that one. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred toll free number always. And Savan mentioned it. Disabilityrights.ca. Just go there. Don't hold back. Get some information. It can make such a, a difference to what you're going through. What else? Uh, what else you got going on, brother? Well, here's a question that I got from uh, Chris in uh, Brantford. Uh, and this was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. Mm-hmm. So again, people yep. can just go to the website and check it out, and you'll see, and I answer these questions. Uh, and here's what Chris writes. He says, I'm on LTD for over two years, and I was told by my LTD insurer to have no contact with my employer. I have tools and personal belongings still at work, and my LTD insurer now said that I can go and pick them up. I'm just worried about picking these up and this being used against me and, and affecting my LTD and benefits negatively. So this is an interesting situation here because, first of all, your LTD insurer has absolutely zero right to tell you not to communicate with your employer. Yeah, okay, no that's I, I just don't even understand that. I mean, sometimes I hear people telling me that they're, the employer speaks to the LTD insurer and the LTD insurer speaks to the employer. No, they can't do that. They can't, you have a relationship with your insurer and you have a relationship with your employer. And they can't join forces to somehow prejudice you. Certainly, I don't understand the situation here that Chris is describing. I can't um, understand why the insurer would tell Chris 
not to communicate with his employer. It makes zero sense to me. Having said that, uh, the LTD insurer now says, okay, Chris, you can go back to work uh, simply to pick up your tools and belongings. I don't even know what he's talking about, what tools and belongings, but whatever. There's some stuff that is owed to him. Uh, and he's concerned that if he does that, then it's somehow going to affect his LTD. Presumably what he means is that if he goes and it looks like he's functioning normally, he can drive, he can go into the uh, right. in the workplace and get the tools, you know, and there's some witnesses that said that he appears to be very, uh, you know, I don't know, uninjured, not ill. Maybe he thinks optically it may give the insurance company a right uh, or, or you know, something to latch on to, to say, you're not disabled, we can cut you off. Or maybe, maybe he's concerned that by picking up those tools, the insurance company will draw an inference that maybe he's going to work elsewhere. I don't think Chris has anything to worry about. If he's legitimately disabled, and remember, when we talk about disability, in the context of long-term disability, you can be suffering from depression, and, and, and that, that can be very debilitating to individuals. Right? You can be suffering from PTSD, chronic back pain, whatever. You may have good days and bad days. Bad days and so yeah. you cannot function at work. Regardless, if he goes in, but he has support from his doctors who say, look, he is disabled at this point in time. He's getting treatments. Uh, but Chris does what he can. He musters up his strength. He goes to the workplace, picks up his tools, maybe with the aid of a friend or a family member, takes them home. I can't imagine a situation where just because he did that, the insurance company will have any legs to stand on in cutting him off benefits. But here's the thing. I have seen insurance companies cut off people off of benefits for the stupidest things, for things that would make zero sense. I've seen situations, John, I'll give you an example of somebody who you know, has a well-documented psychiatric illness and they were actually told by their psychiatrists, their psychologists, doctors, to just go with their dog five minutes a day outside, just, you know, it will make them feel better. And the insurance company had some surveillance done and they saw the person walk their dog for five minutes, three times a week. And right. the insurance company says, oh, we caught you. You know, you can walk with your dog for five minutes around your house, so therefore you're not disabled. You're not depressed from working. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> when, when we got involved, you should have seen how quickly the insurance company reversed their position. Why? Well, because insurance companies typically do this. They will try to find anything they can latch onto to deny you benefits that are owed to you. And that's, again, not just in the context of the disability. I see this kind of stuff happening with mortgage insurance, critical illness insurance, house insurance, car insurance, any type of insurance. Because insurance, at the end of the day, is a misleading product. The insurance companies, if you look at all the ads out there in radio, TV, and elsewhere, what are they advertising? They're advertising peace of mind. You're going to yeah. pay us X, we're going to be there when you need us. And what happens? What do you hear from friends and family when in fact they do need this help? Or what happens to some people who are listening here? They claim that help after years of paying premiums only to be rejected for the dumbest of reasons. And the worst thing you can do if you're in that situation or if your loved one is in that situation is to walk away without getting the legal information you need. And that's why we do this show, John, each and every week on TV, on radio, yeah. in Ontario, in BC, and soon in Alberta, to even the playing field, and maybe even tilt it in your favor, so that you understand that all this mirage that these insurance companies are creating for you, this matrix, it doesn't exist. You have a lot more power than you think. You have to stand up for your rights. And if you need us to be there with you, to help you, to push back, we will do that. And that's what we do. 
That's what our team does each and every day. You know, you can reach out any time uh, you want to send an email along. You could do so. We might discuss uh, some things on air in that regard. And coming up later in the show, what kind of conduct by your long-term disability insurer would constitute bad faith? We will cover that in just a bit. In the meantime, the phone number, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. That website we refer to, again, is disabilityrights.ca. And we also read things and take some of the questions from mydisabilityquestions.com. All anonymous, of course, but uh, we like to use them to give some some perspective. You can go there anytime and ask your questions. Lots more. The Disability Law Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Disability Law Show with Savannah Markin. You want to reach out to Savannah himself, a member of his uh, very capable and awesome crew. Here has, uh, here's how you do that. Email first, help at disabilityrights.ca. The website for free questions and answers about your LTD is mydisabilityquestions.com. Real simple to use. And I'll give you the phone number, one 821 5900 If you're interested in catching a 30-minute version of what we do here, that would be the uh, the televised version of the Disability Law Show. Those links can be found at disabilityrights.ca. Now, before we get to our uh, constitution of bad faith when it comes to insurers, uh, Savannah, you got a couple more matters you want to uh, you want to discuss first. What do you got? Yeah, I actually have just one more, which is quite interesting. Again, I really like these uh, cases that are interesting. I mean, it's not good for the individuals, obviously, contacting me, but at least they're doing what they need to do to get this information so they can make informed decisions. So this comes from a a lady who has been on LTD with her insurer uh, for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depressions, since April of 2018. So it's obviously over two years now, right? So she crossed that two-year threshold, which is usually when insurance companies, LTD insurers, cut people off because there's a change of definition. And so she was asked by the insurance company to apply for CPP disability, which is, you know, very common. And people reach out to me about that all the time as well. That's fine. So she applies for CPP disability and she gets denied. Apparently, she gets denied because she's not seeing a psychiatrist for treatments, but rather a counselor. Um, maybe a psychotherapist or someone like that. So a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. A counselor, a psychologist, they're not medical doctors. That said, I have to tell you, I know psychiatrists and I know counselors, psychotherapists, psychologists. Trust me when I tell you, John, they're all, they, many of them are exceptional. It, it, it's really, to me, it doesn't really matter if it's an MD or not. There are differences and it depends on what you need, but certainly I would never say that a psychotherapist or a psychologist is any less effective in certain circumstances than a psychiatrist. You know, having said that, she she relays that back to her LTD insurer. And what does her LTD insurer do? This is interesting. I've never seen this before, actually. They say to her, let's help you out. We will send you, if you'd like, to an independent evaluator, a psychiatrist that we uh, are going to pay for, that we're going to hire. And of course, she's contacting us because she wants to know, you know, the 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 the, the cons and and the pros of, in fact, going to this independent assessment. I call that independent in quotes. Okay, it's this psychiatrist that the insurance company is going to pay for to do a one-time assessment of her. Now, here's the interesting thing. Typically, when we hear about insurance companies sending individuals to independent evaluations, IMEs, uh, to their own doctors, 
typically I'm very skeptical of that. I am very suspicious of that because the only reason that I would think an insurance company would want to do that is because they're hoping to get an opinion that is favorable to them, an opinion that contradicts your treating doctor's opinions. In other words, an insurance company wants to send you to an independent quote-unquote evaluator so they can get an opinion from a professional that says that you're not as disabled as you are. Again, not in every instance, but I can tell you this is usually the, the, the thought process behind it. And I'm also telling you this as somebody who used to do defense work, right? When I used to protect insurance companies years and years ago, and I used to be working for insurance companies, I would ask and I would, I would in fact demand that the plaintiff, the insured, would go and see uh, a doctor that I choose on behalf of the insurance company. And I've only done that because I was hoping to get an opinion that was favorable to the insurer. Okay. This is not one of those cases. Here it appears that the insurance company is trying to get this lady to go to one of their doctors to support her claim for CPP, disability. And people would ask, well, why? Well, because if they're able to help her and she ends up getting approved for CPP disability, then whatever she gets from CPP disability, the insurance company gets a credit for that. It's that much uh, money that they don't have to pay on a monthly basis. But here's why this is also interesting here. If the insurance company sends this lady to one of their doctors, let's say an, a psychiatrist they pay for, and that psychiatrist comes up with a, a diagnosis, a prognosis, whatever the opinion is, that she's in fact disabled, it may very well help her uh, with respect to CPP, but it would also strengthen her position in the future in the event that her insurance company tries to cut her off. So, and we've seen this before happen, right? Where the insurance company says, you know, would you like us to put you in touch with someone? We'll pay for them uh, for their time and let them help you get CPP disability. And I've previously given an opinion on the show. In my view, that's actually quite beneficial to an individual because it's the insurance company taking steps to help you prove that you are, in fact, disabled. So in this case, I would tell her, yeah, you should probably use, you know, that independent psychiatrist. I mean, there's always a risk that the psychiatrist will come back saying you're not disabled. But to me, it seems like the insurance company here, their interest and this lady's interest coincides in that the insurance company wants her to get CPP. That's why they want her to be seen by one of their evaluators. You see what I'm saying, John? It's, it's, a, it's a different situation than in the typical sense when an insurance company says, yeah, okay, we got all the reports from your doctors. But guess what? We want you to be seen by one of our doctors. Well, when that happens, usually it's because the insurance company wants to get an opinion from their doctor that contradicts your doctor so that they can cut you off. In this case here, it's exactly the opposite. They're trying to help this lady get CPP, not because they're good-hearted, because if she gets CPP disability, again, they get that credit. So again, I'm just throwing this out there because it's just an interesting scenario here and people can learn from it. And you know, again, Anything the insurance company offers you or tells you, you have to be skeptical. You have to be on your guard. Never, ever let your guard down when you are dealing with insurance. People have learned this the hard way. And sometimes, by the way, when you're dealing with an adjuster, that person can be the best person in the world. It, the person can be genuinely good, a good person. But they work for an organization, an insurance company, that has one motive, and that's profit. And because that's their motive, as opposed to helping you, you have to be on your guard. Their job is not to protect you. Their job is to make their shareholders money and the people on top money. So you have to be careful and you have to be informed and you have to reach out to us if you have questions just like this lady. 
You got to think though the insurance company is well aware that they're going to get a they're going to get a financial credit if you end up getting CPP if they help you go through that process but they must also be aware that it's going to make it tougher for them in the eventuality they try to cut you off if you're on the CPP, which they help you get because that is, for all intents and purposes, a tougher test. So it can kind of turn around and, and bite them in the proverbial butt eventually, will it not? They, they've got to be aware of that. They are aware of that. I mean, don't think that they're ultra sophisticated. I mean, they understand <laughs> what they want to do, right? I mean, this is not chess, you know, like uh, Queen's Gambit, right? That new show on Netflix, uh, which yeah. is pretty good, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen it. Uh, it's not one of those where, you know, the insurance company does not look 20 moves ahead. Right. This is something, incidentally, that I love to do. I love chess. I love, to me, law is like chess. And, and when we talk, incidentally, I'm just, you know, talking about something else here now. When we, as a team at ST Law, whether it's the employment group or LTD group, when we speak amongst ourselves about cases, about strategy, for us, it's not only maximizing the compensation for our clients, it's using the power of the law, not in a mechanical way, but in an artistic way. Right? I mean, oftentimes when I deal with lawyers on the other side, I, I am trying to look three, four, five, six moves ahead so that I can control their moves because that allows me then to dictate the way that the claim is progressing. Uh, some may say this is aggressive. Maybe it's aggressive. My point is, you as an individual hired me, hired my team to help you. I'm not just going to go and mechanically go through the motions. I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to use all the information that I have. I'm going to use all the skills that I have. I'm going to use everything that we know about insurance companies, because remember, we used to work for them too, for the benefits of our clients. And that's true again on the LTD side, and it's true on the employment side. I think that we practice law very creatively and very, very effectively against insurance companies. Reaching out, as Savannah mentioned, it's uh, 1-855-821-5900, website disabilityrights.ca, and we always pull some of the comments and questions from mydisabilityquestions.com, absolutely free. You can leave your questions and get some answers there, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, what kind of conduct by your long-term disability insurer could constitute bad faith? First of all, just break down bad faith definition. What does that mean? So... You know, courts have recognized, and I'm not saying anything new here, any lawyer that deals in this area of law would be nodding their head here. Courts have recognized that there is a special relationship between an insurance company and an insured individual, okay? There is a fiduciary duty that the insurance company owes an individual, an insured individual. And, and you know, they, there is an understanding that there is an imbalance of power right? At least a perceived imbalance of power, if not a practical one in most instances between the insurance company and the insured. And so the insurance company, when they enter into a contract with an individual, again, whether it's disability insurance, whether it's through your work, like a group benefits plan, whether it's house insurance, car insurance, whatever, there is a special relationship that is formed through that contract. It's not a simple contract like you hiring someone to do your basement, John. That's not, that is not a bad faith giving rise type of a contract. In an insurance context, uh, courts just want to make sure that individuals are protected. And so what happens is that sometimes insurance companies just simply disagree, right, with a doctor or maybe they disagree with an individual or maybe they're right. Maybe the person is trying to commit fraud. Maybe they have surveillance. It shows that the person is really not injured at all. You know, insurance companies sometimes are right. I'll admit that. I worked for them. I've seen my share of bad apples bringing claims. Frankly, I've seen my share of bad lawyers that advance claims when they know that they should not. But in some instances, 
you have situations where it's so blatantly clear that the insurance company is doing something just because, just because they can, using their power to, to squeeze down on the little guy. You know, and, 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 you know, for anyone out there, if you want to have a look, if you want to Google, you know, the most, the biggest case in, in, I say big, biggest, I mean, I mean, one of the top cases in the history of Canada that deals with this, it's called Witten and Pilot Insurance. Okay. Huh. Pilot Insurance, I don't think exists anymore. I think they were taken over, but Witten and Pilot Insurance. And it arose from uh, a, a house fire claim where the poor family was stranded outside in a winter's night when the house was on fire and subsequently made an insurance uh, fire claim, right? Because the house was destroyed and the insurance company denied the claim. And, and they said it was arson, that the family somehow, you know, committed arson. And everyone said that was nonsense. By everyone, I mean the, the fire department, the fire chief, the insurance company's own experts said it was not arson and the insurance company decided to just deny, deny, deny. This thing went to trial, went to appeal, went to the Supreme Court of Canada. And this, this sort of set the precedent. I mean, there were other cases beforehand, but set the precedent that, you know what, insurance companies, courts have said, we're not going to let you get away with it. In some instances, your conduct and the way you're dealing with insurance is so egregious, so high-handed, that we're going to punish you. Not only are you going to have to pay these individuals, the insured, under the policy, whatever they're entitled to, but we're going to award aggravated damages and punitive damages, punishment, money. Right. For punish, to punish you for such bad conduct. In the U.S., it's very prevalent. Here in Canada, it's more difficult to get. But I can tell you, John, uh, it happens. In fact, there was a recent uh, decision, I believe, out of B.C. that actually came out that, again, awarded punitive damages against an insurance company. And that's just bad press, obviously. It doesn't look good for the yeah, adjuster, for whoever. Totally. My point is there's some conduct, and we're going to go through this, some conduct that may give rise to bad faith. And whenever we represent an individual who's been denied unjustly long-term disability, we claim that bad faith. And when we get the insurance's file and we look at the guts of how they made their decisions, we many times see that they have not acting properly and in some instances have acted in a high-handed and arrogant manner. And we intend to punish them, and that's what we do. We will get to that after a short break, so stick around for it. Uh, bad faith, what does it all mean? We'll break it down, give some examples. But uh, in the meantime, you want to reach out, you can do so. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is a good way. And the phone number, toll-free, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. And then we move on to some email in the latter part of the show, help at disabilityrights.ca. That is all coming up on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is the Disability Law Show. Thank you for sticking around and tuning in. If you do it each week, we really appreciate it. Uh, you probably know how to reach out by now. Maybe you've called Savannah, a member of his team, got some information. If not, here is the uh, here's the way to do that. Toll free one eight five five eight. Two one fifty nine hundred help at disabilityrights.ca and a free resource for questions and answers where you ask the questions and get answered is mydisabilityquestions.com. You can go there now and uh, use it anytime. Okay, constitute bad faith. What uh, conduct by your LTD insurer constitutes bad faith? Number one is this, ignoring pertinent medical evidence that clearly shows you are disabled. We've heard this story about a billion times on this show. They keep doing it. 
How about a trillion times, John? (laughs) You know, that this is one of those things that we see actually quite often, and we see it in two contexts. Sometimes we see insurance companies deny long-term disability, and and when we review the medical documents and reports that have been given to the insurance company, it's as clear as day that the opinions are, are solid that the person is in fact disabled. And so the two contexts that we see this kind of uh, situation happen, where we say there is bad faith on insurance companies in how they've dealt with the claim, is number one, where when you look at their claims file, they literally make no mention of those doctor's reports, even though there is a record that they had received them. So they've just completely ignored what your treating doctors have said. So that's number one. From my standpoint, that is bad faith. Right? If you're looking yeah. for medical documentation, support for my client's disability, and I've given that to you, and despite that, you haven't looked at it or haven't even referenced it or haven't considered it, I'm sorry, that is a problem. To me, that is bad faith. You have not done your job. Uh, it's elementary. But the other context, and we see this even more frequently, is when they do look at those documents, but they cherry pick specific information. So you can have a doctor, and by the way, doctors out there are doing a fantastic job writing many of these reports because they try to be balanced. You know, it's not often that I see a doctor unequivocally saying, this person is 100% disabled, they'll never work again, you know, unless you're dealing with a comatose patient or something. They're trying to be balanced. Oftentimes they say, uh, guarded prognosis, you know, we have to reevaluate in six months, Uh, you know, these are the treatments, we need to see what happens. Here are the functional disabilities right now. So that's fine. I mean, that kind of stuff is what we see regularly. But when the insurance company, you know, ignores the conclusion of the doctor, which is that this person at this point in time cannot work, and here's why. In, when, when they ignore that and instead cherry pick something, a line from a two-page report that says that this person had a good day today, I'm sorry, but that's you basically skewing the information and you're doing it on purpose. So to us, that also means that the insurance company has acted in a bad fa- in, in bad faith, and to us, that entitles our client to, to bad faith damages. As to whether or not we end up negotiating that, that's part of the process. It depends on the claim. Every claim is different, right? But those are the kinds of things that we see insurance companies screw up when we're dealing with medical information that is given to them. Yeah. Another one is this, disregarding the financial and emotional hardship you will endure. This is something that we, again, see time and time again, where insurance companies take their time. They take their sweet time in dealing with you, and again, it's unfair. It's unfair because they understand also, right? They're not stupid. They understand that the longer you are without money, the more that financial noose around your neck tightens. They understand, and many individuals end up, despite the medical advice they've been given, despite being told by their doctors, don't go to work, end up going to work and killing themselves in the process because there's no money coming in. And then, of course, they fail at that return to work. Their situation is that much worse. So, again, in some extraordinary circumstances, and we've seen those happen, okay, it's not in the usual thing, right? Insurance companies are entitled to deny a claim if they truly believe legitimately, in good faith, that you don't qualify, that you don't have the right medical documents, that you're not disabled, whatever. We can fight them on that. But when we see a claim where it's just, it's obvious when you look at the timeline, you look at the correspondence between the adjuster and the medical professionals and the insured, and you see that the insurance company is dragging their feet. And, and you know, you can infer from that. It's not a, you know, it's not a difficult jump. An inference to draw from it that the insurance company is simply using that emotional roller coaster that is created when you are denied LTD and the financial hardship. When we see that that's in fact what's happening, again, we say, no, you have acted in bad faith, 
and our client now deserves not only the benefits under the policy, but bad faith damages. We're talking about what kind of contact, uh, conduct by your long-term disability insurer would constitute bad faith. And again, all these we see and talk about every week, but we're just kind of making a list as we go. Terminating your benefits before receiving an update from your IME doctor. Nice. From their IME doctor. Their IME, uh, pardon me. Yeah. yeah, so again, let's let's play this through. Imagine your doctors have said you are disabled, and they've said this time and time again, uh, and the insurance company paid you. And then they had you go see one of their paid doctors, right? One of the insurance doctors. Uh, and pres- presumably they've done that because they're hoping to get an opinion that contradicts your doctors, an opinion that gives them the ability to cut you off. Yeah. Uh, but before they even got that opinion, something happened whatever it was, change of adjusters, whatever, and the insurance company unilaterally cut you off, even though they haven't even received an opinion from their own doctor. I mean, if that's not bad faith, I don't know what is. They, they had you seen by one of their doctors only to not even wait for that doctor's opinion and then just cut you off. That's happened to us before. I've seen this. And I'll tell you, the insurance company paid. They paid punitive damages as part of a settlement. Okay? So it's very important to understand that insurance companies have an obligation to treat you right. And if they want you to be seen by one of their doctors, then they need to then uh, look at whatever report their doctor has provided. And frankly, if the doctor's opinion contradicts your own doctors, I think you have a right for that information, for a copy of that report so that your doctors can respond. But certainly if they've had you seen by one of their doctors and haven't even bothered to wait to see the opinion of that doctor and cut you off before that, to me, that's bad faith. And it's not always a doctor you're going to see, is it? Sometimes right. it's just a, they're, they're doing, looking at a paper file and it's a <laughs> consultant, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, exactly. I mean, oftentimes, you know, we, we get into a situation where when we look at who it is that they've relied on to cut you off, the person doesn't even have experience or expertise or specialty in the area that you are disabled in. Right? They can have a psychological issue and they have you seen by a family doctor or have a family doctor or n- not even a family doctor, just someone else that has no expertise in, in psychological, psychiatric illnesses and conditions, just provide an opinion that you're not disabled. It just it makes no yeah. sense. But insurance companies do this, and when they do this, they expose themselves to a bad faith claim. Let's take a short break because I want to make sure we have enough time to squeeze in these last two. And we're talking about conduct by your long-term disability insurer could constitute bad faith. Those two are coming up. In the meantime, reaching out. You want to keep this number toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. The email we get to is help at disabilityrights.ca as well. It's the Disability Law Show, and this is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is the Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamarkin doing all the heavy lifting here today. Reaching out, simple email help at disabilityrights.ca. The website option is simply disabilityrights.ca. You'll catch links to our long-running TV show there as well. Always expanding in that regard. And you want to ask questions anytime, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, conduct uh, thrown at you by your long-term disability insurer. That could be bad faith. Here's another one. It sounds eerily like a bad severance offer, and that is make lowball settlement offers and pressuring you to settle without the benefit of obtaining legal advice. So here's the thing, John. 
I have no problem. It's not true. It's not that I have no problem with the insurance company, you know, making lowball offers. I mean, they're entitled to do that. Of what course. bothers me and and what really makes me angry, and I don't really get angry that often when it comes to this kind of stuff. I simply get even with the insurance companies. But what makes me angry is when I hear that an insurance company or an adjuster, a rogue adjuster. Uh, said to the individual, somehow communicated, don't get legal advice or don't bother, or if you do, we're going to pull the offer. I know it sounds ludicrous. It sounds like from a Banana Republic type of an insurance company, but I've (laughs) seen this happen. John, I've seen this happen when people are told that they actually have been told by the adjuster, don't even bother with a lawyer. The lawyer is going to charge you and you're going to end up getting less money at the end of the day. Listen, First of all, all this advice is free, and when you contact us, it's it's free advice. If you're dealing with a situation like this, you've been denied, whatever, we, we're going to talk to you for free. So that's number one, not true. Number two, an insurance company is acting in bad faith. If they are trying to settle a claim with you, whether it's a disability claim, car insurance claim, house insurance claim, travel insurance claim, whatever type of insurance claim, and, and are telling you not to get legal advice. Now, in fairness to some insurance companies, I'm not going to name them, but in fairness to some of them, in fact, one of them that comes to mind, one of the big ones, not only do they tell you to get legal advice if they're offering you a settlement, they actually, John, get this, this is one of the few times I'll praise insurance companies, they actually pay up to a certain amount to whichever lawyer you go to for a consultation. I think it's like 300 bucks or 400 or something like that, like for an hour's worth of advice. I mean, kudos to that insurance company, even though we have a lot of claims against them because I think that they often, you know, don't don't deny properly. Uh, but some insurance companies, uh, you know, do have a certain ethic and, and they do tell you to get legal advice before signing on the dotted line. I mean, listen, part of it is self-preservation because they understand that if they don't, there could be a challenge to that settlement. It's difficult, right. but there could be a challenge because there is that imbalance of power that perceived imbalance of power between a person and an insurance company. But again, if an insurance company tells you, we're going to pay you X, don't bother getting legal advice, to me, that is an indicator of bad faith conduct by the insurance company. One more here that constitutes bad faith, denying benefits for an unreasonable amount of time. So that's again, goes hand in hand with another point that we had before uh, about disregarding financial and emotional hardships that you endure through the process. Again, to me, I have seen people contacting me saying, listen, I made my application, I don't know, six months ago, and I've been following up and still nothing. Again, to me, that is not right. That is simply not right. These things should not take months and months and months. It may take a few weeks. Now with COVID, and by the way, COVID now, I mean, insurance companies are working pretty efficiently, I can tell you. The adjusters are working from home. You know, things are working pretty well. So they can't really blame COVID, but maybe initially, everybody was a bit discombobulated. But if they're denying your benefits for an unreasonable amount of time, you may have a claim for bad faith in addition to the benefits you're owed under the policy. Again, reach out. Reach out. Tell me what your situation is, and I can sort of tell you. There are many facts and factors that go into this analysis, which is why we tell people that it's very difficult to just have a one-size-fits-all. And any lawyers that tell you that there is a one-size-fits-all, stay away from those lawyers, okay? These are very nuanced cases. You have to have technical expertise and knowledge. And again, if you come to us, free consultation. We'll tell you exactly what your options are if you have a case or if you don't have a case. 
I think we have time to get to uh, get to an email here as we uh, we roll on in the last few minutes of the show this week. Uh, Shauna, you're up. Says, guys, I've worked for a large employer for over 25 years as a customer service rep, and was recently told that they had no position for me because I've been away from work on long-term disability for over two years. Are they allowed to do that? They didn't give me any severance, and just last week, my insurance company said that they want me to see their psychiatrist for an evaluation. I'm afraid of what he'll say. I've been seeing a psychologist for over three years now for depression and anxiety. What should I expect? Well, Shauna, so first of all, I mean, the fact that you worked for an employer for 25 years, to me, again, optics is, you know, optics are important. It's just, it's something that's important when you're looking at these kinds of claims because an insurance company is going to try and figure out whether or not the person is just making something up or not, whether it's legit claim or not. And when somebody has a long work history, to me, that is more of an indicator that the person is not faking it, that really there is yeah. a problem here. It doesn't mean that a short service employee is faking it. I don't want to say that. I'm just saying that the longer the, the person's work history is, the more I think there is an argument that, look, there's credibility here to the claim, okay, or, or perceived credibility. Now, Shauna, the fact that your employer has now told you that they have no position for you, they, they have to pay you. They have to pay you whether it's severance or the minimums under the Employment Standards Act. or what They have to pay you. They can't simply wash their hands off of you. And Lior, I think, talks about that on the Employment Law Show as well. Many of our lawyers deal with these kinds of cases. So it's important to understand that you are entitled to compensation. In addition, you actually may be entitled to human rights damages. I'm not sure the, the, the employer here is allowed to do what they're doing after just two years. Again, I don't know completely your situation. I don't know what your prognosis is. Maybe you are intending to go back in half a year, right, back to work. So it's important that we actually talk with you about this. And, John, this is one of those cases where I like to highlight that our firm is, so, is very unique in that we have a joint practice. Our lawyers are either employment lawyers or disability lawyers or a mixture of the two. We don't do family law. We don't do real estate, criminal, immigration, none of that. We only focus on employment law and disability law. And, and the reason, Shauna, why this is important for us, for you to speak with one of our, I, I would say, dual lawyers here, one that has expertise in both disability and employment, is because if you are owed compensation from your employer, it may affect your LTD entitlements. So, so it's really, really important you speak with one of those lawyers in my firm that has an expertise in both. Now, let me deal right now with the uh, psychiatrist because, again, we touched on this before. That is one of those evaluations, one of those assessments that insurance companies will often ask insureds to go see and attend. And, you know, you're right to be uh, suspicious and, and scared about that because there is a very good chance that psychiatrist will come back saying you're not disabled, in which case the insurance company may end up wanting to cut you off. So again, we, I'll talk to you about that. I know we're running out of time, John. Shauna, uh, we've done shows before where we talk about what you need to watch out for when you go to these evaluations, these assessments, what to do after. But feel free to contact me after the show. We are going to be here. We're going to be in your corner. We're going to help you with the employment situation and the disability situation and answer all your questions. Again, you want to reach out. It is uh, it's really simple. Employee to do that now that we are uh, we are done for the day. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The email address. Shorten that down to disabilityrights.ca. That would be the website where you find links to our television show as well. And off the top, we referred to it a bunch of times, and it's uh, it's free for you to use as well. My 
disabilityquestions.com. There's a searchable database of previously asked questions. Yours could be there. If not, leave it for Savannah and the team, and they will answer it uh, rather quickly, mydisabilityquestions.com. Done for the day. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.